0: Combat creators is a show that explores the vision tough decisions and lucky breaks of the people who shaped the business of unarmed combat taking us on the journey of how they got to where they are today I'm Paul gift and on today's show Invicta FC president Shannon Knapp shares how she went from being a wannabe ninja as a child dreaming about striking and counter striking would-be attackers to an MMA outsider with the simple goal of wanting to improve the industry the president of the largest all-female MMA promotion in the world. Every MMA fan knows the UFC, and most are probably familiar with Bellator, but if your tastes expand past the top two MMA promotions, you're probably watching Invicta. Invicta Fighting Championships, currently the largest all-female MMA promotion in the world was the brainchild of its co-founder and president, Shannon Knapp. But Shannon didn't start out with the dream of running a big-time MMA promotion. Early on, her interests were much simpler.
1: You know, I always had a fascination with combat sports, uh, you know, especially ninjas, you know, because back, you know, when you're you're young, that stuff is incredibly cool when they can run up the sides of, you know, a building and disappear and smoke and all that kind of stuff. But I've always had a fascination. I can remember as a child, you know, laying in bed and, and I, I'm going to say probably, you know, uh, under the, somewhere, you know, fourth grade, third, fourth, maybe younger and thinking if I hit him like this, he's going to do that, then I'm going to do this. And then, you know, I was always completely fascinated with it, you know, so I used to try to talk, and this is no kidding, I used to try to talk my mom into sending me, to send me to the ninja camps in the back of Soldier of Fortune magazine. I don't know if you ever looked at Soldier of Fortune magazine or if you've ever, you know, looked at the back, you know, in the back ads section. They always had these ninja camps, and I always wanted to go to the ninja camp. But I always liked (laughs) strange things like that, you know, and I liked motorcycles, you know, Uh, all kinds of things. You know, I was just always fascinated. But then on the other hand, there was this one time I was, I was going, you know, I thought I started uh, kind of the hobby of motorcycles, right? Harley Davidson's. I had to be 1200, you know, I was all about if the boys could do it, I could do it too kind of thing. Um, And I was going to be, uh, I told my mom, (laughs) it's kind of funny with my mom's stories, but because I think she always thought I was kind of crazy. I uh, thought at one point I wanted to be a Harley mechanic. I mean, this was (laughs) was years and years and years ago, you know, I'm 50 years old. So, uh, but it was really funny because what really changed my mind is my mom said. To be because i'm still very girly girl too you know if you look at my clothes my closets and things like that you know i'm still you know fascinated with fashion and all the other things that you know women girls like to to you know so but the big deal she said to me is that you'll always have dirt <laughs> and oil and stuff under your fingernails and i think really honestly that is one thing that deterred me from that profession You know,
0: (laughs) that changed your mind. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think it was the one thing that did change my mind. I always think back to that and I kind of laugh about it because, yeah, yeah, that could have been (laughs) a path that I took. (laughs) But no, I've always been fascinated with combat sports. They they intrigue me. You know, Um, the people that participate in combat sports intrigue me. Um, So, yeah.
0: So when you had your ninja dreams, were you thinking that you wanted to be a fighter when you grow up or that you want to work in the industry? What What were you thinking of?
1: No, it, no. <laughs> Just being the ninja, the cool ninja, <laughs> run up the side of the building. You know, I, I had a fascination, too, with that show, The Equalizer. When I was growing up, they had a TV series that was on and this guy would always protect and defend you know so i don't know you know i just i guess i don't know just thought they were badass i guess as a kid you, you know those those were the cool you know that was the cool thing but it was a strange thing right, right? but
0: <laughs> a little bit yeah but but it's it what makes it's what makes you you so so you have a love for martial arts and, and being a ninja and i assuming this goes into <laughs> High school and college—is that correct?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've, yeah, pretty much, yeah. You know, and then there's the days you know when the Jean Claude Van Damme came around and Steven Seagal and the right. Above the Law, what and the, what they were called those movies he did. You know, anything that right. had that kind of action and stuff, I always gravitated towards. loved it.
0: Right. Okay. And so you finish. I'm, I'm assuming you finished college. And what what was your first? Did did you know then that you wanted to work in the mixed martial arts industry, or how did you get exposed to that?
1: <laughs> no. You know, like I said, I mean, one day I'm going to be a Harley mechanic. The next day, I think I want to be a NDT tech, non destructive testing technician. You know, I just was all over <laughs> the board for a long time, and you know, I got involved in um, broadcasting. And then I ended up, you know, outside of the broadcasting, I you know dabbled around. You know, you, you know, you work all kinds of jobs when you're young and stuff. But um, broadcasting was pretty much, you know, where thing where I landed was in the field of broadcasting. And then I was married, got married for twelve. I was married for twelve years and then i was uh you know in home for most of that so yeah when i you know separating out towards that, that's when i decided to, uh you know i was going to throw myself into something that I was excited about. And that was, you know, MMA. I loved it. I loved watching it. And, you know, I know this is going to sound really naive, (laughs) really strange when I say this, but back then there were a lot of problems, you know, with the sport. still, you know, we're trying to mainstream it and things were, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, everybody was still pushing to make it more acceptable. And I used to complain about some of the things I saw in the sport. And one day I was just like, you know what, you can either sit on the couch and have all kinds of opinions or you can get up and do something about it. You might be the only one but at least it's somebody that's trying to make the difference and change it and then that's when I stepped into MMA and from there it just you know it just rolled very fastly <laughs>
0: and around around what time around what time frame was this to
1: let's see
0: early 2000 early 2000s okay so you say I can do something I can do something to help change things and what's your what's your first start what was your first break
1: first break you know I just started dabbling around in the sport I uh I was an instructor in Krav Maga so that was you know you know my first initial you know background really came from that it was you know just yeah I'm, I'm trying to think you're really making me think back um you know i was boss rootin's assistant i was randy couture's assistant i worked with boston randy i um I worked at sport fight i worked at king of the cage i even worked there once um where else did i work you know i worked at affliction strike force ifl ufc <laughs> you know i mean yeah it just it just went fast you know it went fast and once People in the industry figured out, you know, because I kind of started out on the broadcast side, doing things in production and that kind of thing. And once people figured out that I could connect, and I'm talking about people, I'm talking upper levels, you know, I never worked, you know, mostly, you know, in the the higher levels of the sport as opposed to regional. And I think quickly when people figured out that I could connect with athletes, that I became a real asset to them on, you know, the uh, management side, if that makes any sense. So that's that's kind of how I fell into that. You know, I used to be a that would ask a lot of questions, you know, when we were interdu- interviewing and gathering footage and information on the athletes. And I, you know, if I had a good batting average that I would, a lot of the athletes would cry. And I think that, you know, I could bring them to tears. And I think that it was, you know, I, they used to tease me and joke about that. But I think it was because the athlete knew that I could connect and I, and I genuinely cared about the athlete. And I think sometimes when you're interviewing someone and you're talking to him and you're connecting with them, and I think when you truly, you know, they feel that you want to know the story and they open up. So that's kind of, I think, what I think those are some of the qualities that, you know, upper management and, and things like that saw and thought that it would be useful. Plus, you know, I had, you know, a lot of uh, knowledge about the sport. So I think that they thought I was very useful to them on the management side and negotiating.
0: And from early days, you started building building deeper relationships with athletes, it sounds like. Were you, but were you, were, would you describe your... Your early employment is sort of bouncing around from job to job. Were you an independent contractor or, or no. were you an employee uh, at different areas? Because it sounds like you hit a lot of places really quick, right?
1: Independent contractor at some, employee at others. You know, I mean, I think like I think when I worked at the UFC as independent contractor, you know, of course, some of the other smaller promotions, independent contractor, IFL, I was employee, strike force employee. Um, I even did a show once, you know, as an independent contractor for WFA. Do you remember them? Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> Barely. <laughs> So
1: yeah, it was quick, but yeah well that, that there you go, I did one show for him, so <laughs> but, <laughs> but no um I you know I stayed quite a you know quite a while at most of the places you know IFL I was there I think five years I think. gosh they all run together, you know, a strike force I mean IFL went out of business and then when they went out of business, I was the, one of the last employees. I made sure that all of my athletes got uh fell new homes you know and were placed before I kind of moved on and then I ended up at a flip and then I left Affliction before their very last show that they canceled and went to work for Strike Force and then helped. I went back and helped Affliction when their last show, either that they canceled to help with the athletes, because some had still come to the hotel because it was canceled, you know, early, or I guess late, I guess would be a better way to say it, right? The week of. So a lot of the athletes mm-hmm. still came to the hotel and things, and Scott was gracious, and I went back and worked for Affliction to make sure that, you know, the athletes that did arrive were taken care of and that kind of thing. And then, you know, Zufa, the UFC, the Strike Force, all that went down, and then I ended up with starting Invicta. So seems like a lot of places in a short time. But not really.
0: How are you thinking about your career at this point? So, are you are you just sort of going with the flow? Do you have? Are you thinking? I mean, are you thinking ownership at this point? Uh, But are or are you just are you just focused on sticking up for the fighters and doing your job? How are are you?
1: All of the above. You know, I think every decision that I make at Invicta, I definitely, definitely take the, you know, the athletes into consideration. I always do. You know, Um, I think that I'm very interested right now and I'm very focused on expanding the brand into different combat sports, uh boxing, kickboxing, you know, uh, submission wrestling. I, I'm very interested in continuing to build out those platforms. So then when people think of Invicta, they'll think of women in combat sports, not just MMA, but across the board, you know, and I think it's going to help the females in the sports. So So, so yeah, that's what I'm excited about. You know, that's really, you know, what the focus and the goal is right now at Invicta to, you know, keep increasing our shows uh, per year. We did six, we will do six this year and, you know, looking to try to do eight next year in the MMA side and then, um, you know, roll out the boxing and possibly the kickboxing both in 2018.
0: I'll be asking you about those uh, in just a little bit. Leading up to Invicta. Well, your last job before Invicta was, what, a part of the matchmaking team with Strikeforce? Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's correct.
0: Okay. And the UFC, the UFC bought Strikeforce and then, and then it was around that, was it around that time that you had the idea to, to go off and do your own thing? What led into that?
1: No, you know, um, you know, just, I was kind of put in that position to really think outside the box of what, you know, you can't, I'd worked for a lot of people. I've worked for a lot of companies, you know, I've loved this sport forever and I think Every once in a while, as an individual, you know, I, I would get burnt out. You know, I'm not going to lie. I was at that point where you worked really hard. You built your position and where you were at. And being a female, and and I am not, trust me, I'm not a feminist that beats on the drum and, you know, all day long. I'm not like that. I'm just going to really lay it out and tell you, you know, when you're a female in the sport and you're working your way through one of the biggest deals is that every new company you go to work for, you're a female. You know, it takes time to build that rapport and for them to see you as an equal and that you know the sport and and that kind of thing. It, it just doesn't happen, you know, overnight. So you know, I, I was not looking forward to climbing that hill again. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. You know, you just you get kind of beat down. You just like, oh my gosh, here we go again. You know, and then uh, you know, I I you know, I started getting a lot of phone calls. And stuff from the female athletes. And I I, I, I I'm going to be careful how I say this because I always get myself in trouble. I didn't, you know, until I worked at Force, I really didn't have an appreciation for women competing in the sport. You know, every time that, you know, someone I worked for had come to me and asked me to make a matchup or it was talked about, it was never about, you know, an athlete's talent. It, it was always, always about their looks and their marketability, you know, and uh, sometimes even, you know, I'm asked about hot girls, you know, not even, I mean, So I had no respect for it, you know, and I'd seen so many mismatches. I'd seen so much that, you know, it just didn't leave a good taste, you know, and I'd worked hard, you know, and and the male side of the sport had worked hard, you know, to get where, you know, and for me, it was kind of sore subject. If you want to take a fight away from one of my male athletes to to put hot girls on, you know, I mean. I just didn't have much interest in that. But when I worked at Strike Force I did have the opportunity, you know, to see, you know, athletes like Gina, Marloose, Chris, you know, I got to see, you know, even Misha was there. You know, I got to see athletes for the first time really and see how, you know, female athletes and to see how they trained, what they did, you know, and I just had a healthy appreciation at that point. So when they came to me and asked me what was going to happen, you know, what's going to happen in the sport for, for us, you know, I uh, it sparked my interest. You know, I had fought the fight, the good fight. I I thought on the male side of the sport, they had given me the tools to change, you know, that I could use. They changed my mind and I'm old school and you know, I am definitely an old school kind of person and they changed my mind. You know, it's not an easy task. So I thought that I had the tools to, to really get in there. You know, and I was surprised the horror stories, to be honest with you, Paul, that they told me because I'd worked in the sport for a long time and I was always treated with great respect. Now, you know, I didn't have those bad situations, you know, that you hear some of the athletes or, you know, some of the females that have worked around the sport you know I always kept my nose clean you know I didn't hang out in the athletes rooms you know and things like that I you know I always you know as a professional so I don't know if that's what you know I don't know what made it different but some of the stories I heard you know especially with the the athletes was really crazy like them duct taping them to cages and letting the guys hit them you want to be in our gym you know then you're gonna, you're gonna have to be tough that kind of stuff just things that you know were crazy to me so um uh, yeah I mean I guess at that point I just kind of took a look at the sport you know and I really what I did was I just sat down and I took a look you know I looked at that past, by, it's present, you know, the landscape. You know, and that's what I'm kind of good at. I'm I'm better at, you know, you're going to might laugh at this, but I always say I never dreamed of being a promoter. Never. I'm a great wing woman. You know, I'm like the (laughs) I'm like the person that is like the, you know, the smoking gun that, you know, no, you know, that's not a great thing to say today, I guess, but uh, not a great analogy. But the bottom line, you know, I'm an amazing wing woman. I really am. You know, I so I never dreamed of being the promoter. And this just kind of fell in my lap. You know, It, it was something that ignited the passion again, you know, fired me up. I like a good fight. <laughs> I like, you know, and I just knew that if anybody could push and push hard enough, I could do it. You know, um, I'd learned a lot in the sport. I've seen a lot of things that worked. I have seen a tremendous amount of things that didn't work. I knew I was going to spend a lot of money. I knew the payoff wouldn't come quickly. And I knew that I'd always have to take the beating before, so to speak, before, you know, I could prove my work, you know, and the value of the company. And with that, what I mean is, you know, I knew that, you know, it was going to be a case that I, I was going to have to just go show them, show them what we could do. I was going to have to move the numbers. That's what I was going to have to do. And, uh, so that's where, you know, when we launched Invicta, I, you know, and I did it very, um, strategically, I guess you should say, I didn't come out one day and say, you know, and I kept it really quiet, but I didn't come out one day and say, oh, hey, um, I'm starting this new company called Invicta. And then, you know, a week, two later, then, oh, I want to do an event. I mean, when we came out and announced Invicta, we came out and announced the day we dropped it, we dropped it with the name of the company, you know, our first show, a full fight card. And I mean, to make a statement that, you know, we gave it away for free, you know, to make that statement that we came to play, you know, we're here to stay, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So it was about strategy from there. That was long winded.
0: No, that's perfectly fine. So you 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 decide that you're going to start this. You have all this experience from past promotions, many of which are now defunct. Uh, who who have made mistakes, uh, in the past. But you decide you're going to do your own thing. Just just give us an idea. Where do you start? Like, are you are you focused on financing first? Are you focused on the fighter side first, building out your team? Like, you're sitting down. That you think you're going to do it. What do you start with? The name. <laughs>
1: you want to know? That? I mean, I know that sounds really stupid, but we had the financing in place already. You know, it was there, you know, it, it was there. Um, the name, the name, what are we going to call this? You know, what are we going to call it? You know, th- you know, more, um, the financing was there, you know, you start putting the other pieces together, but before you really move any of the pieces, you got to have something to call it. You can't market and sell something, you know, or promote something or even build assets for a show or anything until you have the name figured out. So, you know, I think that was, you know, the big deal was figured out, you know, we knew you know, at that time I had a business partner too, and we were 50, 50, and we knew that this was what we were going to do. You know, we knew, and we had the financing in place. We, um, it was just pretty much, you know, all, some cosmetic stuff, like, you know, like the name, you know, making sure, you know, then you go into everything else. Like we got to get a cage, you got to set up a venue, you know, and I, and let me tell you, I'm learning at that point as we go. I mean, you could ask me anything to do with an athlete and, you know, matchmaking. Cause that, see, that was my wheelhouse. I, you know, I'd ever set, set in the seat of the promoter, never wanted to. So now all of a sudden I'm the promoter, you know? So it was hit the ground running and learn, learn, learn fast, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, we have some trial and error. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, there definitely was, you know, uh, if they were, you know, we ran into some shady, some shady different situations and people, you know, so learn lessons there. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much, you know, where it started. And it, it just, it, you know what, Paul, it can't, it, it was too easy almost. And I know that's going to sound really strange when I say it because I expected a big fight I expected I was gonna to have to work really hard I was gonna to have to push hard in that you know that it was going to take a long time you know I, I just didn't expect I expected that it was going to be harder and you know than what it turned out to be when we first initially started
0: and give us an idea of the what, what was early Invicta like like how many employees did you have were you guys just were you guys just doing everything a few people oh, a yeah, no. few people doing everything or? yeah
1: that's that's pretty much it you know that's pretty much it There, you you know, there i think there was one two three four four of us but we, they weren't you know nobody was full-time like that you know uh we would hire you know if, on the event you know per event so to speak because you know but your staff like you know in, on the production side and stuff you know that's that's different you know you, it's kind of but internally with uh yeah I, you know that worked at the you know the hotels and primarily with the athletes and stuff i think there was one two three four of us <laughs> that so yeah it, it was interesting we still have a really small company in my opinion you know I mean, we don't employ like a Bellator, or UFC employees.
0: Right. How many would um, you say you have? Now? Um,
1: let me see. Full time, you know that. Uh, let me that I would consider. Let's see. Let me think here. But I have a lot per event. Do you know what I mean? That starts. That starts. That right. gets paid per event. Yeah. Contract yeah. Workers I have, on like, an so, event. but let me think here. Um, um, I think I get six. There's six of us
0: and those early days um you started out giving your product away for free right yeah. the first few shows and so what's your mindset there what do, what do you think you you obviously you're obviously thinking about growth um and correct me if i'm wrong i'd imagine i'd imagine with your s- such a good reputation that you had that it wasn't hard to get the fighters to sign up with you so what were what were some of your big obstacles in the beginning? And how are you how are you working on growing this thing? You know,
1: uh, the reason, you know, we gave it away for free is marketing 101, let them try the product. I knew that if we could put together the great fights, if we can get them in there, and we could package it right and package it, you know, not like a local fight promotion, and don't focus, you know, on the looks thing, just focus on extremely good talent. And um, that we could we could do it, you know, if I could get them get them into watch it, we could hook them, you know, and then uh, they'd want to watch more. So it was all about putting together you know great fight cards great fights matching them well and making sure that you know they were seeing the talent that i knew existed out there so that was probably you know the big deal um there were a lot of female athletes you've got to remember nobody had anywhere to fight you know everybody was looking everybody was super excited everybody was incredibly supportive you know this is something that you know the the sport needed the female athletes needed this This was hugely important you know um i always said it. it's like you know I always call them like you have. It's almost like you have a garden, and you know everybody wants to be like a weekend gardener, but nobody really wants to put in the work and tend to the garden to help it grow. And that's kind of what the female side of the sport was. Is that I saw it. It wasn't a lack of athletes. It was more of a lack of you know a, a platform, a place for them to compete, to keep competing, and and a system in place to you know that would help grow out these divisions. You know, the, and the talent. You know, you had a lot of what I would call the veteran athletes, and then you had not much in the middle and very young athletes and it was going to take time to try to fill that in and the only way to do that was to be able to put great fights together and to have a platform where they could continually stay active and bring some kind of you know uh what am i looking at the word i'm looking for in the divisions you know just some kind of uh you know have the platform but not alliance what is the word you know just more organization i guess kind of develop those divisions out where they're you know like not ranking systems but more of a just more organized i guess is the best way to put it
0: on the sponsor side were you did you have a lot of trouble in the beginning when When when, you know, there you're the first all female. Oh, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. What were some of the big issues?
1: You know, I mean, you're you're trying to sell something. You know, you're trying to sell something that people weren't. You know, if Paul, do you know how many people laughed at me? (laughs) <laughs> when I said what I was going to do or how many people like, oh, you know, or, uh, you know, I, nobody really had a lot of faith. I don't think that. I mean, I, I think that they had faith in me. Like, you know, I don't think they were laughing at me personally. I think they were just like, Shannon, do you hear what you're saying? Do you know what? You you know, and, and, you know, we were seeing all these companies out there. They were spending, you know, you had uh, pro elite that had just come back in. These, I think they did one or two shows and five million dollars was gone and they were done. You know, all this kind of stuff. You saw all of these organizations that were not succeeding You know, or, or had not succeeded you know it was quite a roll of the dice you know and and i got that and i understood that but um yeah a lot of people laughed you know and the obstacles but they supported me you know i really want to make that clear is that a lot of people joked with me and kind of laughed even my best friend was like you know shannon (laughs) when you first started victor you know i would always support you but i didn't think this was gonna go so you know i think The more people did that, I think the more I got pumped up, fired up, (laughs) you know, the more um, I just always believed in it. I guess this is the other
0: thing, too, Paul.
1: You know, I saw the vision. I thought that what it needed was just somebody to focus, to get in here and roll up your sleeves and get busy. And that's it. And
0: and you mentioned Pro Elite doing one or two shows, $5 million gone. So what was your mindset on money then? Like, how did you keep that from from, uh, not happening to you?
1: Well, it wasn't great at first because, you know, uh, I'm trying to be careful because, you know, I don't want to talk about the negative stuff because there was some you know I had a business partner that um, you know we parted ways and it wasn't good you know and different you know both had different ideas of the way things should be done you know you know when it comes to spending I'm somebody that will do the work myself you know what I mean if it's got to get done you know and I, I just think that there were two of us at that time and it it caused problems you know so so it wasn't easy in the beginning you know and I ended up at what by 2013 owning it hundred percent and on
0: my own. And your first big so test. It started out
1: April 2012, yeah. And then by December, well, before that, you know, I was 100% owner. And,
0: and, and before, right before that, uh, I believe it was January 2013, your first big test. On the fan side, at least, and especially from what I remember, was Invicta FC four, where you had some um, pay per view trouble, and you decided to to refund people's money, which uh, I know in the media you got you got, were applauded for greatly um, as doing the right thing. But that had to be hard. What went into that decision?
1: Oh, it wasn't even a question. It was the right thing to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you know, probably the hardest one was the second time it happened. But right. The first time, you know, it was. Uh, you know, the bottom line is, is that is the right thing to do. You know, how business, no matter what the business is, it, it's about relationships and it's about, you know, building those relationships and, you know, wanting the fans to trust, trusting me and the product that, you know, um, honestly, it just never, there was never another option. The minute that I found out that, you know, we would crash the paywalls and all that went down, it was take them down, give everybody back their money. I didn't even talk to the companies, the streaming company we were working with. I mean, I was just like, that's what's happening. Everybody gets their money back. So. So, yeah, I mean, it was just the right, the right thing to do, you know. Um, it's the only way you can handle a situation like that, as far as I'm concerned.
0: And as you mentioned, we're getting into late 2013, and you parted ways with your business partner. Um, and you have, what is it, uh, Invictus Invicta 7. And right around that time, I know that you're looking for a TV deal, um, at your, and you're talking to Showtime, and you're talking to Access TV, and you're talking to UFC, and you ended up uh, giving a deal where your where your strawweight fighters go over to the UFC, and and then that was in December, I think, 2013. And April 2014 was the Fight Pass announcement. Were you did you know already in December that you were going to work with the UFC, and you guys were just hammering out the final details, or? Or were those two separate decisions of your fighters going to the UFC and, and then working with Fight Pass?
1: Two different, completely different, um, two completely different. Yeah, no, that that show in December, you know, because you, you want to talk about hardships and things like that. So that show in December, I'll tell you a little story. You know, I actually sold my strawweight division. That's the only time I've ever sold or, you know, um, like when the female athletes move over to the UFC now, I, I don't sell their contracts or anything like that. I, uh, I split with my business partner in, uh, I think it was the end of no, uh, mid-November, somewhere in that vicinity, and we already had a show on the books, and that was a, you know, we were still, had had some issues with the, the I'm trying to think the best way to say this, because like I said, I don't want to spend negative out there, but um, this show kind of got dumped where I was completely 100% responsible for it, and there were, um, sorry, Paul, I'm just thinking how to say this, because I really don't want to, I mean, to tell the real story, you you know, I have to tell it and it's not a nice story. But the bottom line is, is that I sold the division to the UFC and that supported and helped me, and, you know, through that show. That's pretty much the bottom line is that the UFC, you know, bought the division and, you know, I continued forward and had the show only to once again crash the paywall servers.
0: And that was at the final straw. Well,
1: that was a disappoint- very disappointing moment. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't freaking out or anything like that because I was just like, sure, go figure. You know, that's... Of course, right? Go figure. But um, so anyway, yeah, I did sell the division to the UFC at that point in time, you know, and there were, you know, I was coming out of the bad business relationship and that it was something that worked out for both. I mean, it worked out for them. It worked out for me. It worked out for my athletes. You know, it was a business deal that, you know, was best for everybody. This is what I wanted. I mean, that's what, you know, that's, I think one of the things people don't understand that, you know, the UFC is the biggest organization. It truly is. You can't take, I mean, they do, you know, a great job over there. This is where every athlete 95% of the time wants to go, you know, um, to be able to be part of that for them to open up that division and bring those athletes in, you know, was very personal and professionally gratifying for me. You know, they, um, that's the work that I committed to. That's what I, you know, I got in, you know, started Invicta to, to prove and show and open up and, you know, have everybody embrace the female side of the sport. So this was something, you know, I was working towards, you know, I wanted the UFC to take more You know, and people, I remember people saying that something like, oh, Invicta's done now because their division's gone. Do you know that within the next week, I was filled to the rims again, (laughs) to the brim, not the rims, but to the brim. (laughs) I mean, I'm not kidding. I I mean, people didn't understand that there were so many in certain divisions, there's a lot of athletes and that you need to rotate. It's the same thing that was happening to me in the hundred and twenty-five pound division, right before, you know, the UFC took that division. Is that, you know, my model, you know, of what we're doing, you know, definitely doesn't support like the UFC is always going to be able to pay them more money. You know, I can't catch up with that. So I am happy when my athletes have the opportunity to, you know, to move on, no matter where that is. If that's what they want and that's what the dream is, then I'm always happy to help facilitate that dream. You know, as I want it to be fair you know that it does have to be good for everybody in a relationship so I mean as long as they pay it forward and don't forget where they came from I'm always happy to do it
0: right and from what I understand that was that was a bit of an issue in the Showtime negotiations but I I think you had an offer from AXS as well and you're debating them and UFC. What were what were some of your what were your key considerations in making that decision on your TV partner? What mattered to you the most?
1: Well, you know, the, I mean, I, I I heard somebody else say that too about Showtime. You know, Steve and I. The it wasn't like oh you sold them and the now that's no. I could sell. I mean, the the big deal for me. I mean, we didn't leave like oh you sold them and now we're not going to do business. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. You know, it was that they couldn't do anything until the fall you know, and there was going to be this, you know, transition waiting period. And I'm out there on my own with this company. I'm, you know, I have everybody posturing around me, you know, other organizations that think all of a sudden they all think now, my gosh, it's women are the goldmine. You know, nobody still realizes that, you know, there's a ton of work to do yet in these divisions. There's not as many female athletes as what they think, you know, I mean, so I have to protect, I have to protect the company. If I'm going to continue to grow out these divisions and be, you know, and do it the right way and then you have to protect the company and i have to make good decisions So, you know, and I know people laugh at me sometimes when I say this, but, you know, and Bellator had tried to do a deal with me. They wanted to be, you know, uh, in business, but it was a terrible deal. It was the most awful deal I've ever seen in my life. Matter of fact, I laughed really hard when I saw it. It was pretty much that they would give me all the, you know, I would have all the women. I would build fight cards. They would look at it and take what they wanted and put it on their shows and mention Invicta in the broadcast. And if I didn't do what they want, and this is no kidding, Paul, if I've got all the paperwork to prove it, if I didn't do what they wanted, then they were going to get rid of the women. You know, and I just sat there for a second when I first read it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Number one, your penalty, how you're going to hurt me is you're going to get rid of the women. What? That's what I want. I want your ass. Right. You know, what do you, you know, I'm like, okay. You know, I, I laughed with my attorney. I said, every place that says velator can I cross it out and put Invicta, send it back and say, hey, does this make you feel warm and fuzzy inside? And he was like, no, you can't do that. Shit. But I wanted to. I so
0: wanted to. And did did you have a did you have a good relationship with Scott Coker back then? Was this just a no, 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 business is Bjorn. business kind of thing? This was Bjorn, oh, oh, Oh yeah. That's that's my fault. Yeah, that's no, my no, fault. that was yes. Bjorn. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Him and then that Tim guy. I mean, I'm not a fan of being bullied. I do not like to be bullied. And, you know, it goes back to probably that thing I told you about the Equalizer show. (laughs) I don't like it. I'm not a fan of me being bullied, but I'm definitely not a fan of watching people get bullied. You know, and they tried to bully me. You know, they gave some threats and tried to bully me. And I'm just not a fan of that. But so I had Showtime that probably couldn't do something until the fall. I had Bellator that, you know doing those things that they were doing, you know, it just, I'm kind of out here on my own and I need to get up against somebody. I need to, you know, I need an alliance with someone. So I decided to go with the deal with the UFC. So I figured if, you know, if you're going to have, I mean, you might as well get up against the biggest and the baddest and this is where everybody wants to be. And for us at that time, it was definitely the right
0: decision. And how did that change things? Did you notice a difference in your sponsorships or there, I assume they supported you in in, in a variety of different ways or or provided, uh, um wh- whether it be financial or, or promotional but was that would did you notice a major change after after getting there on the business side?
1: Not a lot, you know. Um, oh, I mean, I mean, there was some stability. It was a licensing deal, so they pay me X amount of dollars to do the events. I'm in complete control of my events. I mean, everything, you know, the cards. They, you know, they've always been trusted me, and you know, and that kind of thing. So I just do, you know, I handle my own stuff. But the first year was rough. It was rough, you know, because I was in that, you know, I was Invictus, the first one on, you know, UFC fight pass outside content um so you know we we grew together you know definitely say the first but it was it was rough in the sense that um you know ironing out the kinks and things like that and making sure that it was going to work and plus you know we had had to you know definitely the thing is once again he's had to prove our value that's it i mean and, and that was something that i kind of learned early on is once when we had, had done the internet you know giving away a show on the internet an outside you know uh, vendor that worked for us that provided the statistics and all the data and all that kind of thing we had went up against um, World Series of Fighting, and they were on NBC Sports, and that night they had had, like, I think it was, don't hold me to this, but it was like 197 or 160 some, somewhere in there, um, viewer, that was their viewership number, and on the internet we had done 293,000 and unique IP addresses, and I made the mistake of, I was so proud of on the very first show of how well the athletes had done, and, you know, the number that we had, I made a mistake of publicly saying that number, and then everybody attacked it, you know? Everybody was, oh, that's not true. That can't be. That, you know, she's making that up. You know, all that kind of thing. So I definitely knew, no matter where I went or what I did, it, you know, I was going to have to prove it. Just like each time that those paywall servers, trust me, I had that conversation with Ustream. I said to him, listen, we got a lot of traffic. It comes hard. It comes fast. It, you know, can you handle the traffic? Can you? And Ustream was like, absolutely. We stream this. We stream that. We're great. You know, all this kind of stuff. And what happens? Boom. Paywall servers. This, you know, the last time it happened, same thing. You you know you have these conversations and you tell people listen you know these are the numbers we've had this is what we do they come really fast da, 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 da. oh man we can handle this all day what happens it crashes so it was always like that it's always been like that with Invicta is that you know you can tell them I mean still to this day you know there are I can say to people you know we're the number one property on UFC Fight Pass outside of the you know UFC content that's the verbiage we use but we are their number right. one property 100% <laughs> so, and wow. you know but when you go to say that to people if you you got the guy down the street telling people the same thing that you're telling, but you really know yours is true. Sometimes it can be hard. You know, you just got to show, you know, it's always that you keep on proving them, keep on showing them that kind of thing.
0: And you've done an amazing job of, of, of building this up. I know you have an excellent reputation in the sport <laughs> on the fighter side, on the media side. Um, when did you start getting the, uh, so when did the Inklings come to, to start expanding this brand out? Right outside of MMA to, like you said, boxing and kickboxing? What was the spark there?
1: You know, I've always kind of looked over at boxing and said, wow, you know, they just need someone, like I said earlier, to roll up their sleeves, get in here, find a concept or a you know, create something, a formula, whatever you want to call it, that will work, package it different, you know, make it, you know, more elite, that kind of thing and put that spin on it. And I'm hoping that, you know, we'll be able to do in boxing what we've done with women in Invicta. And I actually think that boxing is very intriguing to me for the women. You know, I have, I've got sponsors that will say to you that literally say to you, you know, we don't mess around. Did you say boxing, Shannon? We don't mess around in MMA, but now boxing, that's a whole different story. You know, and I just think the women need the help right now. I think that, and I like a good fight, Paul. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. You know, this isn't going to be easy. This is going to be harder. You know, I've even had people say to me, oh, what about that Muhammad Ali, Shannon? Aren't you worried? I mean, I I run my business differently anyway. No, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. You know, I just want to get in here and uh, I want to help them. I think I can shine a light on some very talented female athletes. And I think we can continue to, you know, I mean, if I, if I can accomplish what the dream is, that'll be amazing for athletes, for female athletes to have, you know, resource places to hone their skills and, and get better and get paid
0: on the, on the box, uh, on the MMA side, or if you can answer this, are you profitable? is Invicta yeah. profitable now?
1: I mean, we're not crazy about do I don't want to say that. I don't want to give the perception that, oh, we're making money because, you know, I still put everything goes right back. You know, I still make, you know, we fly in athletes from all over the world, so we're not rolling in dough by any means. We're just not losing. <laughs> we're just not losing.
0: Well, that's the thing. A, a, a lot of businesses could be profitable, yeah, if they wouldn't reinvest uh, a lot of the profits that they end up uh, making and try to grow even more. But um, wh- around what, what point did you hit that? Did you switch over towards profitability, would you say? Um
1: Last, uh, the end of last year this this year has been our best year yet we still have to watch everything you know just for the fact that you know we're just not losing every show now right you know right. for breaking even or you know maybe it's but we're definitely not rolling in the dough and then as it stands right now you know we had a good year last year it wasn't incredibly profitable or anything but we didn't lose money so that makes it profitable to me <laughs> you know what i mean
0: <laughs> right it helps it helps when it comes to not having to necessarily raise new rounds of financing, right?
1: Amen. Well, see, I have never had to do that. Yeah, you know, and I look at that. I look at all these companies that that are out there. I mean, Paul, do you know what I could do with if I had five million dollars to mess around with? I can imagine. Or some of these, or some of these companies that have had, you know, go out there like uh, what is the World Series of Fighting, or you know, blow through twenty million dollars and then raise another seventeen. You know, <laughs>
0: right. I
1: mean, can you imagine what I? I mean, I just think I could do amazing. Things things with that, you know, if I was, you know, worked with that kind of
0: money. So essentially, you, have, you had an early business partner. I think you have a current business partner now, but other than that, you pretty much bootstrapped it is what it sounds like. Yep. Nice. Yep. Yep. So when you look, right, we've got these new ventures coming out, which we're all looking forward to, boxing, and I think you said possibly kickboxing or definitely kickboxing.
1: Yeah, kickboxing is definitely, you know, um, you know it's all about you know giving more opportunities and for the athletes that we have and some of the, you know, for the crossover, you know, to generate hopefully the crossover and the different sports. So kickboxing is definitely, definitely on the agenda for next year too. All
0: right, we've got some great things to look forward to from Evicta. Uh, when you look back on where you are right now, Right. I'd imagine years ago, you might not have seen yourself in this place. So when you look back on it, what are you, what are you most proud of?
1: Wow. Career-wise? Yeah. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, when you said that, I was like, oh, I have a daughter that I'm very proud of, but. Oh, yes. Um, career-wise. <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure. What am I most proud of? Um, you know, the difference, I guess, the difference that, you know, Invicta has made. I'm very proud of that. You know, and when I. You know, I know some people think I'm crazy or they think I'm naive or whatever. But when you see those athletes come in and you see that for the first time when they see the Invicta belt and you see that sparkle in their eye and, you know, and, and the excitement and, you know, it's it's like feels good because every time that they make it, you know, they achieve something that's a dream or a goal for them, it's I'm winning too, you know, because it feels good to help people. It, it feels good to help people achieve those dreams. I, I'm proud of Invicta. You know, I'm proud of what, what we've done and what um, the dream is and what we hope to continue to do. Do. that's what I'm proud of I'm proud of you know yeah I guess that's pretty much it
0: when I think of MMA I think of I think of kind of like other sports front office and back office like the the fighter side and the business side so yeah. what's, if you can share one lesson with us, what's the biggest lesson you've learned on the fighter side over the years and on the business side over the years of MMA?
1: Relationships. I tell everybody that works with me, you know, that works with me. It's important, you know, to have, build and develop relationships. And that doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, everybody come over for dinner and that kind of stuff. What it means is take the time. You know, in a world that has so much, you know, with the social media and stuff like that, take the time to pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, communicate verbally, build a relationship. It's really hard to do that over a text or emails and things like that. Show you care. That is the one thing that any smaller promotion should be the best at what they do, is showing the athlete that they care and building those relationships. You know, I've been able to accomplish a lot of things with not a lot of money, you know? Um, and it was the relationships and the, the respect and the relationships that I built with them that uh, made a lot of things possible. You know, I've closed a lot of deals, you know, in my career, signed a lot of athletes. And, you know, a lot of it was building the relationship and doing business that was good for everybody. You know, it doesn't always work that way. You try hard. I mean, you know, you want, or at least someone like me has great intentions, but that, you know, is that. If you look at it like a relationship, it has to be good for you know for both parties, and I think that's that there's give and take, and that's the same thing with personal relationships. So that that would probably be on the business side, or I mean, on the athlete side, is building that relate you know uh, relationship with athletes and and showing them that you know you're part of the team.
0: And so I'm sure you get this question a lot uh, about what advice you give up and coming fighters, but given this is a business show. What advice would you give someone whose dream is to work in the MMA industry or work for a promotion? Oh, dear Lord.
1: <laughs> Ball, <was> like, run. <laughs> no, I'm just you can
0: kidding. say, run. You can say, don't do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I'll take it aside. You know, it's hard. It's hard because it's a tough, tough, tough business. You know, it really is tough. And I learn more and more. You know, I'm always learning. I haven't got it all figured out, you know. My biggest thing is learning to bend and grow, you know, and not be so old school or set in ways, you know. I have to watch that. <laughs> that's a that's a real learning process for me sometimes. Um, but I guess when it comes to you know, people have dreams, and you don't want to stomp on people's dreams. It's it's not easy. It's not easy, you know. And you have to have passion, perseverance. You have to, you know. It's it's a grind. It's a lot of work. But if you love the sport, like how I love the sport, never work at the day in your life, like they say. So you know, um, I think if you want to get in the sport. My best advice is the promoter being the promoter part. It takes money, and it takes money to make money. So, um, you know, sometimes I hear people that talk about going into the business, and ah, uh, you know, I have to be honest with them. Sometimes, don't do it. Don't do it. If this is your life savings, and you know, it's a tough gig out there. It's a tough gig. You know, it's not for the faint at heart. That's for sure.
0: A huge and special thanks to Shannon Knapp for being the interview guinea pig for our debut show. Make sure to follow shannon on twitter at shannap that's s-h-a-n-k-n-a-p-p and follow her promotion at invicta fights if you'd like to support invicta and all their amazing fighters you can catch their next event invicta fc 26 this friday december 8th on ufc fight pass where jennifer maya will put her flyweight title on the line against agnieszka Niedzwiedz. if you'll be in the kansas city area get out and catch the live show at the scottish Rite temple Invicta's events are a blast in person, and you can get amazing seats at a reasonable price. I'm Paul Gift. You can follow me on Twitter at MMA Analytics. Check out my MMA business writing at Forbes Sports Money, analytics and sometimes officiating writing at Bloody Elbow, and if you're really game, take an economics class from me in the MBA program at Pepperdine University. Until next time, thanks for listening to Combat Creators.